Hello and welcome to the London Football Fans Podcast. Bringing you football insight and banter from a fan's perspective. Matthew Bristow and Danny Fitter, uh, welcome to the uh, London Football Fans Podcast. Um, this is the first recording, episode one. Um, so I thought I'd uh, introduce you guys, um, long-suffering Crystal Palace fans. I hope you don't mind me calling you that. Um, and we can we can talk about um, your favourite club, Crystal Palace. Um, so if I start with, uh, with you, Danny, um, how long have you supported Crystal Palace for? Uh, first game was, I think, 87, 88, so it was around that sort of time, so, yeah. That's... How about you, Matthew? Um, well, I suppose like many other kids, I didn't really know there was an option, so it's, so it's all my life, really. Um, so I was just a Palace fan, simple as that. I was just, um, it's only when I sort of started primary school that I realised that there was an option to be another fan. There was quite a few kids. Liverpool were like the big yeah, Liverpool was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of peers were, were Liverpool fans. But I suppose it's generational for me. My granddad was and my dad and my older brothers. So didn't really know there was uh, there was any other way. You were just I'm just a Palace fan. Unfortunately <laughs> born into it. So uh, yeah. I mean that kind of leads me on to sort of uh, my second question, which was what made you support Palace and when did you realise that you were Palace for life? Because obviously, you know, uh, we, we all grew up in, in South London. Palace were the local team. Um, as you said, there were a lot of Liverpool fans around in the 80s because they were doing very well. Um, me being an Arsenal fan, there weren't many of us at the time. Uh, it was predominantly Liverpool and Palace. So at what point did you realise that was it? You were stuck with Palace. <laughs> um, I'll let you answer that, Danny. <laughs> well, um, I suppose it was, as I say, I... I there was a few kids at, at my primary school who were Palace fans, a lot of Liverpool fans, and then my brother was an Arsenal fan. And so, you know, every computer game that we had, everything was all, you know, they were always the best, the Arsenal team and everything else. And then, you know, we when we were playing, I was I was Palace, and um, you know, we were always terrible. All the, uh, you know, our teams, and and it was always difficult, but. I just, I just knew it was always, it was always Palace. And then I had sort of like a couple of family members, my aunt's um, boyfriend at the time was the one who took me to Palace for the first time. And um, yeah, it just went on from there. Excellent, excellent. So, I mean, we're talking the, I suppose the mid to late 80s here, probably the late 80s. We're all around that, that uh, 41 year old mark. So that would have been, I suppose, the, the, the right bright era. Um, Yep. My next question is to both of you again. Your favourite player of all time? I mean, Palace have produced some some fantastic players over the years. Certainly, that they were the team of the eighties. Was it the team of the eighties under um, Terry Venables at the early in the early eighties that we wouldn't have seen? Yeah. So you know, um, from your own sort of uh, matches that you've seen from you know from TV, um, which are your favourite players? We, we've been really spoiled, you know, in our lifetime as Palace fans, we've had some absolute 
class players. Obviously, they might not sound so class to the big team supporters <laughs> yeah. like Arsenal, but like Lombardo, Andy Johnson, right and bright, as you said. Even like when I first started going, Jim Cannon, we had Adam Irvine. We like real legends like Sproni, who's obviously a gentleman, Friedman, all these brilliant. My, my favourite player is slightly off-key, really. I know Danny will probably know who it is, but it's, <laughs> it's I suppose not many non-Palace fans will probably recognise the name. Um, or if they do recognise that, they won't realise the like the significance and importance that he had on us. But um, the player is Mile Michael Jedinek. So he's a big Australian captain. He's um, an absolute beast of a footballer. Um, so if I, a little bit of a backstory as to why, like, obviously with dark days of administration, um, Friedman had taken charge. So obviously Friedman chosen because he was almost free to work for us. We would... Um, at a bad time, giving him a small amount of money, and for all his flaws, Friedman, he could find a gem in a player. Um, Friedman came, um, and Jednak came from nowhere. He came from a Turkish club. Um, I couldn't even pronounce it. For you. not a club that you'd recognise. Um, but a real, I know it's very cliché, but you know, like I missed the hundred percent. Literally, no game was below that. Just unbelievable. And I think for us as a turning point as a club, it allowed the likes of Zaha as a young boy coming through and Blassi to really go and shine because just such a... I've never seen a holding midfielder as good as him. So in the Championship, Premiership, um, and I was thinking about him. I think the only reason he was never never right for a big club was maybe his passing was limited. But as a, as a wall to get past, um, I've never saw him lose a header or a challenge ever. Never, ever. And that's not an exaggeration. Um, I had a little bit of a research. I was thinking about a best player before this and... So for the season, our second season in the Premiership, he was statistically the best midfielder in the Premiership. Just because wow. obviously, and obviously for all the fantasy football fans who use that, so the stats were on his challenging, his winning, his passing, his tackling, his completion rates, all that. He's the best, um, and the best mid, best defensive midfielder in Europe that season as well. So, wow. so, so obviously as a not, a, not a household name, but just for me, he was the one that really just meant that Palace could build from when we went into administration, we could build to be a big club. And I think we owe a lot to him in that sense because it allowed the likes of Zaha and Balassi just to run right, knowing they had that backup behind him. I mean, th- those stats, uh, that is quite impressive because that would have been, what, the 2013 season? 2013? Around that, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you're looking at, you know, some of the, the midfielders that you would have had uh, playing in, you know, I mean, I think Fabregas would have probably been coming back to Chelsea then. <laughs> Slightly tainted because obviously Fabregas now a much a much better footballers really, but just statistically as for the job he was brought in to do, his stats were up. No, no, you know, just no frills, wasn't it? No frills with him. Yeah, I I, I can see the the sort of why uh, the fans would get behind, and I mean quite fanatical fans at Palace as well. You know, um, you know they've they've quite rightly earned the reputation as the best home support in the Premier League. Um, and having a someone who will run through brick walls for them, I can certainly see the attraction in that. You know, um, that's yeah. a, a, a very good choice. I mean, you know, Danny, uh, how would you go with your favourite player? Yeah, I mean, just touching on from what Matt said, I mean, Jedi was class. He he really was. And I was, you know, saddened to see him, him leave to go, Villa. But, you know, he went with with every bit of respect for me, he was quality, absolute class. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I, as I said, as Matt was saying, there's so many to choose from. I mean, the obvious ones, you know, you've got your right, right, 
Lombardo and stuff like that. Um, you know, the team early 90s was, was, was brilliant. You had, you know, players like Southgate, who, you know, youngest sort of captain in the Premier League at that time. Um, Wilf obviously gets a, a mention from, from nowadays. But for me, I, I, there are a few. Um, but I really always was fond of Michael Hughes. Just yeah. so cultured. Yeah. The Northern Irish. Yeah, uh, that's it. Left footer, wasn't he? Came from Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. Just absolute Same wonder. Left foot. Him, wasn't it? Because he, um, he was without football for a season before he came yeah, to us. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, beat... it was when he left Strasbourg, wasn't it? it was some sort with of Birmingham football. or something? Birmingham. Oh, no, that's right. It was Birmingham. Yes, right. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. So he had a whole season without football, but kept himself really fit. Very like um, subdued, quiet man. But yeah. on the pitch was absolute terror, like yeah. really. He scored, a, he scored a blinding goal, like where he just run for miles. That, that was against Stoke, and we won six three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I, I remember um, the thing about Michael Hughes. Um, he played for Wimbledon, and uh, so was he. he was very familiar with Sellers Park in, in, at that mm. time. But he was playing for Wimbledon when, and he scored an outstanding goal against West Ham. The game that Di Canio did the flying scissor kick volley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Hughes scored a, a, I mean, a, a real worldie uh, just before that. I think it was just before, just after. But obviously, yeah. no one remembers because of the Di Canio. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. a very and, and good he was player. West Ham as well, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he had a good football background before but, he came to Palace. So. Yeah, brilliant football brain. As I say, he just, he was, for me anyway, at that time, we was in a real, you know, Almost kind of treading water, really, for a long time. Yeah, and he was, yeah. he, he was so cultured and he was so intelligent. I, you know, I, I, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he's um, got his own. He's got his own club now in Ireland, or if I remember rightly, something, or he's a part owner or chairman or something of a one of his first ever clubs over in yeah. Ireland. You, you've really done your research, Matthew. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've, nice to see. On, he's covered all now, without football on the telly, I'm having to watch loads of old. old <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, just just going back to, to to what you said there, Danny, about you know the cultured midfielder. I mean, it, when people say Crystal Palace, they they unfairly, I think, uh, presume that Palace over the years haven't played attractive football. But you have had some fantastically yeah. cultured, certainly midfielders over the years. I mean, even going back to you know, the, the promotion pushes from the first division, the championships, first division, uh, you know, old second division. You've had players like Ray Houghton. Um, yeah, yeah, brilliant Butch, Butch Wilkins pull, pulling strings. Um, well, yeah, he, he, got, he got injured, sort of, didn't play that many games, Wilkins. But the other one was who didn't get a chance was very similar to Hughes after, was Barry Bannon. Yeah. You know, real, yeah. real culture yeah. left foot again. But at the time, you know, deemed a bit too small. And, and the ball, to be fair, as much as, you know, we've had some great players and we, you know, there are have been times where we've played fantastic football, you know, under Steve Bruce, there was like, you know, some really yeah. good, mm. you know, the, bits of play. Yeah. But, but a lot of the time, the ball did go par, bypass our midfielders, you know. Mm. So, but as I say, going back to, to Michael Hughes, he was, he was, it was so good, and and it sort of encouraged the ball to you know go on the ground. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he was class. Um, was it 126 games, seven goals? Doesn't seem a lot, but it was yeah, he was good. He was decent. 
Oh, who's done their homework now? Yeah, 126 <laughs> games, <laughs> seven goals. No, that's that's excellent. Um, so just again, Let's just talk- right-handed. Um. <laughs> There's a lot of those actually. Surprisingly, I think a lot of uh, left-sided players are right-handed. Um, Sorry, Ashley, Ashley Colby, again. one of them. <laughs> oh right, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can always uh, cut that out. <laughs> um, but just um, just going touching back on on um, something that Matthew mentioned before the uh, administration. That, that I think maybe a couple of times that there's been the administration question come up. There was obviously the Mark Goldberg uh, time, and then after that you had um, Simon Jordan come in. And then there were money problems towards the end of that uh, reign. Um, one of my one of my questions coming up was going to be the worst moment as, as a Palace fan. Now, you know, this could be a game like a one-off game, or the you know the end of a league season, or a scenario around the whole club. I mean, um, if I if I start with Danny first, I mean, yeah. your worst point as a, a Palace fan. What would you? Well, it's say it, it probably might be similar to to Matt's, to be fair, because it happened. We went, um, we were going Newcastle away, and that very morning we'd gone into sort of administration and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Victor Moses. Yeah, Victor Moses was sold. You know, we, we there were some players we couldn't play. Um, and it was, you know, we, we'd driven sort of, you know, um, best part of six, seven hours. And suddenly we had a com- completely depleted team. We were like, you know, is this going to be, is this going to be sort of curtains for us? And um, yeah, it was, it was so, yeah, it was a real, real sad time. And then that went on for a, you know, quite a while. There was all the, um, the, the protests outside the banks and, and whatnot. And it was, it was scary times for, for, for Palace yeah. fans. So I mean, it was, I mean it was really bad. as an outsider, you know, um, uh, being an Arsenal fan, you know, like obviously I knew of it going on, being local as well, people were up in arms. But I mean, how close do you think the club were to going really to the close. wall? Uh, really, uh, close. really close. Yeah. So yeah. it was almost. Uh, it, it, this the first time we sorry to play, the first time we went to administration under Goldberg. I don't think we were ever close to not having a club. I think we were close to being dropping down a few leagues and rebuilding. Yeah. But under when Jordan went to administration. That was that was really really because we, we didn't own the grounds we had nothing we, we yeah. um, and it was at a time I think I think it was a change in the tides with how football fans are looked upon and I think fans got together through other clubs but we we looked like we weren't going to survive and it was football had become such a business and that mm. whole thing it's one of my proudest moments as a Palace fan those sort of remarkable scenes outside Lloyd's Bank when the the, the fans are there demonstrating I think a lot of the even non-Palace fans looked at it when football clubs, and I sound very sort of soppy about it, football clubs are more than just businesses, although they've got to be run prudently, obviously, but yeah, they are about the fans. And that's why now when you look at clubs like Newcastle and Charlton, and they are getting sympathy from other teams and other teams' fans mm. because it is more about that. And I know it's a cliche term, but a club is nothing without its fans, and it really yeah. shows that. Um, it's a hub of the community, more. isn't it? That's that, that's you know uh, the, the thing with with a lot of you know as you say going back to Newcastle, they're they're you know one city club, um, you know from the amount of people that are around the area, the catchment area of Palace, it's it's a massive you know mm. hub of the community. We're finding that now with no football, mm. you know if you're kind yeah. of scratching around like well, you just, you just think how lucky we are. You look at you look at 
MK Dons, you think of real Wimbledon fans at the time. Yeah. Their club was just picked up and taken away. Can you imagine that someone just said mm. that? No, we're taking the club away and we're moving yeah. it. Uh, I mean, I it's a, a very American style of, of yeah. sport with the franchise. Yeah. It was almost, yeah. you know, moving the name of the club or the, the, the what would you call it, even the heart of the club yeah. away from the area that it yeah. was born and, and raised in. Um, but it was, it was new... almost stagnating, to be fair, you know, going off, he's mm. talking about another club, but, you know, Wimbledon was, you know, the amount of fans that they got through the door and, you know, when they were, you know, at Sellers, it, it was stagnating and it's it was sad because they were a fantastic side and, you know, another another decent decent club with, with you know, a good history. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, the, the way they managed to... to play and beat the big boys at times while not being at their own ground, you know, having to sell their best player literally every year, you know, they were, they were scratching around in non-league and the, and the youth teams for their own players, uh, something pretty special, um, yeah. you know, and, and we should applaud that and obviously moving and ripping them away, moving them to Milton Keynes was a, a big no-no for I think a lot of fans. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe that Palace were ever in danger of, of that. I always felt that, I mean, you know, I didn't realise they were that close to going to the wall, but yeah, I always we, felt there we would be really, a palace. We were really close. I say, I say, like, I honestly believe, it sounds like a, a bit melodramatic of me, but, like, we that week, like, that's my worst um, week as a football fan. The week of the last game of the season, we had to play Sheffield Wednesday away. Yeah. Um, they needed to win to stay up. I was actually physically sick of the morning of the game because I was that nervous. And wow. I think if we dropped, dropped down the league, we would have become even less enticing yeah. for an investor for the 2010 yeah. boys to come in. So dropping down the league would have really, because we'd sold everyone, we'd, we'd literally put, we're putting out bit part players, players were playing, playing on less wages. It was a real sort of honest team. We had players like Ambrose, like talented boys. We'd been deducted 10 points, but to go to the last game of the season and have to get a point and obviously... People think we won it, but we actually finished two all. But um, that that for me, that week was just. I remember having a row with my oldest brother, John. If you're listening, if you listen to this, the most hippie, relaxed man of me. Me and him nearly came to fisticuffs during the game because we were both that stressed about it about a Danny Butterfield mistake. But it just wow. shows how um, how football can can get into your psyche. That it was just such a stressful, horrendous week. And it, I mean, it, I mean, put it in perspective, isn't it? Times like now, but. At the time, that was just horrendous. It was real. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I completely empathise with you guys. I mean, um, cup final, you know, defeats are, are never easy to take. But at the end of the day, that's a game. That's part of the game, winning and losing. Yeah. But actually being on the edge of losing your club must be something quite, uh, well, quite stressful, as you said, Matt. Um, emotional to a degree, because obviously... You know, going down to what would have been would it, would it have been League One League at the one, time? Yeah. So from the Championship to League One, I mean, we've we've seen it happen to other, um, with all due respect, bigger clubs. Uh, yeah. Leeds have done it and managed to bounce back. Yeah. Southampton, yeah. Uh, Portsmouth yeah. have have done it and, and yeah. hit the wall and uh, Nottingham well, Forest as well. Forest, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I mean, to to go down and then potentially lose. The club. I mean, where do you think it went wrong for Simon Jordan? Um, I listen to him on the radio. If I'm in, uh, uh, you know, a mood to listen to him, 
Mm-hmm. Um, he has a certain way about him, but I mean, he, he I certainly like talks to the talk. Yeah, he's got his critics, and I don't think um, the things with with Jordan. I've read, I've read his book and stuff, and I mean, everything came from a good place. He's a Palace fan from today. He came yeah. in trying to do the right things, trying to run it right, and I think football was changing at the mm. sort of time he brought it. So like, there's much more business orientated, a lot more investment, and I think he got sick of it, like um, agents, and he just the whole thing for him just. And he'd lost the love. You could tell it with the way he yeah. ran the club. And but I think I mean, it was a uh, sorry, just to on, come in there. But like with with the um, when he lost sort of things like Johnny Bostock, and um, yeah. then when yeah, Routledge yeah, yeah. left, and all those kind of little things, I think kind of he didn't get the support from the FA. Where you know we, we he didn't get looked after. We you know the the way Bostock left and and you know, the money he got for him. Yeah, you know for the amount of investment he put into the, um, into his own academy. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the another factor that sort of yeah made him fall out of love with, with right. football. And uh, wages have just started spiraling out of control. Yeah, that, that the the gulf between the Premiership and the Championship had got just that slightly bit bigger, so people were taking the gambles, and it just it all just came to a head, I think, and it just yeah. he he stopped ploughing money in and yeah. It, I think that's, but, I mean, there's lots of factors, but I think yeah. him stopping ploughing money into, you know, it was just never ending. It was just hemorrhaging money. And yeah. um, clubs are, championship clubs do. They, they're not, they're not yeah. money-making machines. They are literally, this is why it becomes a business because they're, they're like investment opportunities for people to take yeah. a gamble to see them get to the promised land of the premiership. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and, and also back then, there was such a, a difference. If you were in the Premier League, the gap, the gulf between the top, say, six and everyone else, monetary-wise, was huge. Where nowadays, that's kind of closed up a bit, I think. It's a lot more competitive. And then well, back clubs are learning the, the model, aren't they? You look at your West Broms, they're learning the model. They, they go yeah. up and invest the Burnleys. They, they go up, they'll invest in the training yeah. facilities, they invest in a couple of young gems. They'll yeah. they'll build on that. they build the back, back staff, and then they'll go down, but they can keep that going. Yeah. And people have learned that mistake. It's... it's well, we 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 tried, didn't we, under Dow? If we had stayed up that season, I yeah. think we would have pushed on under, and I think Jordan would still probably be in charge now. But um, yeah. well, and, and then we missed out on the playoffs, didn't we? With um, was Bristol right. City. We, and yeah. to be fair, on Jordan, he we went down, and he kept hold of AJ, who was obviously yeah. big money. He'd mm. been offered big money for him. He kept hold of him to push him. At the time, I I read he was reported. He, AJ was on twenty grand a week, which is unheard of in the championship. Yeah, and that sounds that sounds pittance now compared to today's money, as we see. But that's that was a lot of money for a championship player. We, yeah. we held on to him again, missed out in the playoffs. And I think if we had stayed up that season when we lost at the uh, Clowns on the last day, then um, then I think Jordan would probably still be in charge. Um, yeah, but that was a that was a big thing. So your best moment as a Palace fan. So. I, I'm sure you, you probably both agree then. So you, the worst moment was uh, almost going into administration. Um, but your yeah. best moments, I mean, there's been some fantastic one-off games. There's been cup runs. There's been winning, you know, uh, divisional titles as well. Um, if we start with you on this one, Matthew, um, your best moment as a Palace, Palace fan, either a game um, or a scenario. There's a couple, there's a couple for me. So, Footballing, I mean, we've had some absolute blinders, like loads of playoffs, uh, cup, two FA Cup finals, um, obviously the big famous one beating Liverpool 4-3, especially after being humiliated 9-0 previously. So that was yeah. like a, 
a huge one. Um, we we'd lost in a playoff final last minute to Steve Claridge's lucky shin. Um, and then the season, <laughs> yeah. season later, another long, grueling championship season or first division then. And then Hopkins looking to curl one in the last minute, and that was see, and that was when Wembley was really Wembley as well. So it made yeah. it. Um, but I still mine's probably not footballing wise. Mine's to do with the administration still. I know I mentioned it earlier, but but like the extraordinary scenes outside Lloyd Bank. Um, I think, as I say, I think it's the first time the media had really looked at fans and gone, oh, they're not just football hooligans throwing things around and wanting to fight each other outside pubs. It was really that these were people that had taken days off work to go there and, and like, protest about this so that it, a football club... And, and look at the good work stuff gets recognised about clubs now. Palace in the community and stuff like that. And I know all clubs have this sort of stuff. Um, they were showing that it was more than just 11 overpaid prima donnas playing football. It was a whole community. And that sounds very, very... Um, cliched, but but that's how it was. So for me, yeah, it's, but it's important. That, it, was, it was that it was the it was the football fans all coming together, going it, making it onto the news, and and I, I'm behind the scenes. I know um, like two thousand Mr. Parish and stuff. They're very very prudent businessmen, and I'm sure they they manufactured that to happen to put pressure on it. But they did it, and it worked, and it was an amazing time for me. So so that's my best moment as a Palace fan, but. But not footballing wise, we've had some amazing football wise, but um, but but that for me is the one. Brilliant, Danny. How about you? Your favourite moment? But again, to be fair, Matt's gone first on the on the uh, better question there. I think that um, <laughs> he's uh, yeah. He, uh, Sorry about that. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, everything that Matt said there is is, is absolutely spot on. You know, the the Claridge. Um, goal where you know, came off his shin, and then obviously the, the the complete kind of heartbreak of that, and then you know the following year, whole season as Matty said, then you know David Hopkins curling it in, brilliant. Um, but it, again, it's it's sort of like a a, a microcosm really, because as much as I, I, you know, being a Palace fan, it comes with the territory is you know that you're going to have some heartbreak and stuff. But it just makes, when we do something magic, it just makes it even more, well, special. It's, it's, it's that's that's for me. It's 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 great. Um, I mean, a couple of games, as I mentioned earlier, you know, growing up with an Arsenal fan and always always losing to Arsenal. You know, it was just they were just everything in my life. It was just <laughs> Arsenal were just. Oh. But it's starting to level out at the moment, Dan. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, to be fair. But back in, you know, 94, we beat them 2-1 at Highbury, which, which was which was massive. And it was, you know, a personal thing for me. It just always stuck in my head. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, the Cup semi-finals. Um, there's a Palace game uh, where we beat Man United 3-0 before they won the Cup Winners' Cup. It was just magic. It was, you know, the, the completely unexpected and... and we were we did we did amazing, um, but I got to say, I think Stockport uh, away when Friedman got the the winner again to stay up yeah. was ran from again, the halfway line. Was it that one? Yeah, yes, yeah. just uh, you know, momentous and and uh, again another kind of yeah. magic moment yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. of of actually real pain and then having the ecstasy of, of just amazing um very fairy tale really endings that is mate yeah yeah, it is. yeah. And, 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 yeah. so you know that that's you hit on saying dan that i'm just made me think then like because most people i speak to like if you chat football with anyone 
especially London boys, anyone Tottenham's your Arsenal fans, Palace will always have a soft spot. They'll always have a soft spot for Palace, and I think that's because we're never really going to be good enough to really be competition yeah. for them. But we're exciting enough. We might beat them every now and again. But like everyone, like even yourself, guys, I know you've got a soft spot for Palace. I go week in, week out to sell us with someone who's a Tottenham fan. And they, they, they go to Palace because we are that sort of... We're not a big enough risk for them, but we're a, a favourite second team. And I think that's what you're saying, that, uh, Dan, about that's when the magic happens because we don't always do well. We, no. we, 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 yeah. Every now and again, it makes it even more magic, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I have to, I have to admit, you know, I remember watching the the Stockport game then, and thinking, actually feeling quite sort of deflated, thinking, oh God, that, that's it, that's it for Palace, they're going to yeah. go down, and then Dougie Freeman, the arguably the slowest man on the pitch, outpacing <laughs> everyone <laughs> from yeah. the halfway line, and, and you know, he was a good player, Dougie Freeman. You know, I yeah, know they yeah. plucked him from Barnet, I think it was, uh, yeah, uh, to play, well, uh, yeah, yeah, for Palace, yeah. but um. You know, maybe as you said again, Matthew. You know, like uh, the, the supporters of the bigger clubs, they don't realise. Uh, you know, cup certainly for Arsenal over the last twenty odd years. You know, the Wenger reigns and uh, and stuff. You know, cup finals were almost every other season up until you know the the, the drought that we had. So if we lost a cup final, oh, we'll we'll, we'll get there again. You know, lose yeah. the Champions League final, we'll get there again. But for you, for certainly for clubs of the size of Palace, you know. Let's not forget, you did finish third in the, the first yeah, division. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the, the, the last yeah. first division, was it? Um, maybe yeah. maybe the, 1991, wasn't it? Yeah, typical, typical Palace. It was the season that Liverpool, I'm sure this is right, were allowed back into Europe a That's season right. early. But I think, only, yeah, I think the, yeah. Yeah. the FA at the time, it was pre-premiership, but I think the FA at the time thought they really didn't want Palace representing uh, well, English that, that's the football. Thing. It, it, you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it, this is very typical Palace. So, as you said, we didn't qualify for Europe, blah, 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 blah. The first time the Premier League then introduce, you know, reducing numbers, four teams go down, <laughs> we're the full team to go down. You know, so it, yeah. it, it just sums yeah. it up, doesn't it? Yeah. You, yeah. Can't, it's, you can't write it. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is typical Palace. That's why it feels so strange to have had, like, at least the last three comfortable years. It just feels really yeah. odd. But even yeah. at the beginning of every season now, I'll chat with Palace fans, chat with my family, blah, blah, blah. And what do we look for this season? To be safe five, five games before the end of the season. So it's not that yeah. panic, you know? Yeah. So still now, so it's really odd that we're, we're comfortable. We, and obviously fans are fickle, aren't they? Football fans as a whole, we are it as well. Anyone who's yeah. committed to anything, a geeky. But they're fickle, aren't they? And they like yeah. they expect more, expect more. And we've got to be realistic when you look at the clubs yeah. we're competing with. You've, we, we are where we are, and like to survive yeah. each season is an amazing achievement. Uh -huh. when you, when you, just when you look at the clubs that are outside of that division mm. and their mm. history much, and the size much of bigger them, than us. Get, oh, yeah. absolutely clubs, yeah. massive. Yeah. You know, as I say, and I've got I've got a ten-year-old son who. All he's known is Palace in the Premier League, and it's like, yeah, amazing. It's not like yeah. this, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. He doesn't know any different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we've just been speaking about um, the best moment uh, as a Palace fan. Um, so, you know, there's been some great times over the years, uh, football-wise, but off the pitch, um, you know, escaping uh, administration by the skinnier teeth against Stockport uh, resonates yeah. with you both, which is. Uh, a lovely thing, actually. Um, 
you know, we, we've got to hand it to Palace. You know, some of the adversity that they've been through, and they've always managed to bounce back. You know, it's it's quite a it's quite an admirable um, thing about the club um, and the supporters. They've been there through thick and thin. Um, I mean, I remember going to games um, when they were in the old, first, well, say the old first division, first division championship, uh, where the ground has been half full but very very loud. Um, and I've been at the Emirates Stadium where there's been 60,000 people there and not been as loud. So, you know, it's uh, a, a good fan base there. Um, I think I think we have to, on the fan bit, sorry, I'm butting in slightly ago. I think yeah. we have to give credit to the um, the, the Homestyle fanatics. I know, like, they're a bit of a, a, lot, a bit of a mockable sort of group, aren't they, from other clubs. And other clubs come and they, like, where's your famous atmosphere with their song and blah, blah, blah. But to be fair, they... As, as young lads, really, I suppose when I see them marching about, they must be mid, mid-20s mid now. But when they started, um, obviously much younger. To be fair, they do a cracking job at what they do. Yeah. And the kids the kids who come love it. They absolutely love it, seeing the flags and the drums. And So I just had to mention that, just in case any fanatics hear this, like they get they get mocked and they get their fair bit of stick, but they really are a cracking thing to have at the club. They... It, what they bring to it is brilliant. So. See, what, what yeah. I find funny, uh, uh, funny, strange, is that um, they generate this atmosphere. And a lot of other fans say it's the best atmosphere to an, uh, at an away ground. And mm-hmm. players say, you know, they enjoy the atmosphere at Palace. You know, it can be a little bit intimidating, but they enjoy it. But the strange thing is, is that your home form over the past, maybe coming up to two seasons, hasn't been great. So at the beginning of the season, a lot of pundits and fans would say Palace will stay up because they've got such a great home form. They've got that great atmosphere. The fans always get behind them. But in the last season and a half, you've be, you've won away at Manchester City. You've won away at Arsenal. I think you've... Did you win away at Tottenham? Um, Probably. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we like to scalp a big... If I'm honest on that, I don't know if it's to do with like the pressure of being at home or anything. I literally think that's the way Hodgson sets us up. We, he's, yeah. he's got such a sort of regimented way we play. Um, and obviously with the speed and pace we've got up front with your Zahars, your Townsends, uh, Ayus, we just, we're just brilliant at counter-attacking. That's why yeah. when teams are at home and their fans are behind them, they're expected to come out. That's when we counter. We're really good at it. But Arsenal yeah. used to be amazing at counter-attacking, didn't they, back in the day. And we're, we're a brilliant counter-attacking side when we need to be away. And I think at home, we, we try. And we, it's, I say, you can watch us. You can just literally see the training ground drills, the way that our players are in their positions over and over and over and over again. That's why we don't let any goals in, because we just go over and over and over and over again. Um, so I don't know if that's because of our fans and the passion. I mean, it's slightly dwindling because the football's not particularly the most exciting to watch at home. No. But... Um, we're getting the results. Uh, apart from obviously the the COVID nineteen situation, we were on target to be the highest place finished in the Premiership we've had. So yeah. Um, but do you not agree as well? I mean, as much as it's out of fashion with with new grounds as well, that actually Sellers Park itself probably contributes maybe ten ten points uh, yeah. a season itself. You know, because there's there's times where people don't want to turn up. You know, clubs are getting changed in. You know, tiny little changing rooms. There's no, you know, it's. I think I think you're really, right. Yeah, the atmosphere, I think, as you say, is, is, yeah, is close think, to the ground. Obviously, it's crap, isn't it? Like 
uh, first time I went to the Emirates when it was done, it was amazing, wasn't it? Never queued yeah. for a beer, never queued for the toilet. You you um went and sat Come on the chair. <clears throat> Yeah, it was, it was it was amazing. What an amazing place. Honestly, but, Emirates, best stadium I've ever been to, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in. But that's t- I think fans like coming to sell us. They're shoved in a shit corner. Excuse my language. That's uh, the corner right. of um, the Arthur Waite stand. The, the toilets are three inches deep in urine. And there's something about that realness of the ground. You're right, Dan. I think there's... Yeah. I, do you know, I, I agree. I mean, um, Arsenal maybe is too welcoming. It's too welcoming yep. to uh, to teams, uh, to fans. Yep. I mean, as you say, a lot of fans have said to me, it's, it's a great stadium. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I imagine the Tottenham Stadium is is fantastic as well, um, albeit shaped as a toilet bowl, but it's very welcoming <laughs> and accessible <laughs> to fans. Maybe too much so. You know, uh, at Arsenal, the, the problem is, uh, for me, even still, we've been there for coming up to 14 years now, is that it's too sterile. There's not enough yeah. of that grit that, you know, at Palace, it's ingrained. It's a football stadium. It yeah, is your classic football stadium. You know, I know that the, uh, I mean, the, what was it, the Homestyle when the big stand, that's probably about 25 yeah. years old now. Um, but still, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great big stand. Yeah. And it's a stand. It's a, you know, yeah. if you were to, to take 25% of that and make it standing only, I mean, the place would be bouncing even more so. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do agree that it probably does give you about 10, 10 points on its own, being Sellers Park. Yeah, um, you know. and that would be one of the biggest things I would I would love to see come back is, is standing, you know, um, you know, proper safe standing uh, back in Sellers. You know, on the home stay, would just be fantastic. Um, and, and again, just to, to help with the atmosphere, sound. I mean, no one, sit, no one sits down anyway in, in, um, no. in that stand. I mean, this is another question, a little bit sort of, um, you know, off off script here, but um, the talk a couple of years ago about moving and potentially building a stadium in the Crystal Palace Park area, you know, I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, you know. I think I think if I'm realistic, as a, as a business, and obviously to compete with the clubs now, it has to be a building that can be used every day of the week where Sellers is literally used for one day a fortnight so you look at oh other man clubs, I think the, the Glaziers lounge was uh, <laughs> uh, you know Crystals is uh, yeah. very well there utilised yeah. there you go That's, that was a brilliant example but see you know what I mean yeah. other, other clubs their grounds are used aren't they they've, they've got purpose built classrooms in there for their academies all these sort of things whereas Sellers isn't I don't know that's part of Steve Barish's um like dream to have a have a ground that's utilised every day, and I think as a business to compete, you have to. So I wouldn't hold it against. I'd I'd love it really, just because it'd be nice. But I do love Sellers. I won't lie. Yeah, I mean, my my fear would be, you know, you look at say another team in the Premiership, Burnley, for instance. They've got a, a ground very very similar to Palace, and it's a stand. And again, I think it generates the same amount of points for them. It's a difficult place to go to, like like us. But there's so many clubs who have moved into newer grounds and the atmosphere's gone. Coventry, you know, they moved into, you know, a oh, nice no. new ground and, you know, they don't even, they're not even in the ground now, but, no. you know, they, they, it just completely changed their, uh, you know, the, their atmosphere and, and, and people turning up 
you know, other te- you know big teams turning yeah. up at Coventry when they were yeah, at Highfield right. Road. That was a tough that place week, to go. Yeah, horrible place to go. Yeah, you're right, Dan. I think we, I say we're very fortunate. We've got we've got a real sort of um, with the with the Homesdale fanatic boys like that real sort of casual culture that they've got. And like for, even when we went to Wembley for the like the playoff final against Watford and the FA Cup final, they were looked upon as a club as like a real important part. And we were given the whole central part, weren't mm-hmm. they, of Wembley to keep the yeah. atmosphere going. I remember out singing United, out singing Watford because of yeah. those boys. So I think yeah. I don't know if that would be such a problem for us, but but they yeah. take I say they take their first stare stick, and rightly so. They they are they have got delusions of grandeur sometimes when they wanted to move and taking other people's places. But I think they they're really good for the club, and we're we're very lucky to have them. Really. For me, I, I would I would prefer to redevelop Palace, and you know redevelop it, keep the stands. Um, make it sort of, you know, four individual stands and, and make it sort of still very much on the character of Sellers Park. But, um, yeah, that, that, that for me, I, I wouldn't... Going back to your, you know, about going to Crystal Palace Park, yeah, it'd be, it'd be lovely, but I'd still like it to be very old school, but on a modern, on a, on a modern twist. Yeah, I, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can see, you know, I can understand. I mean, uh, again, you know, comparing Highbury to... To the Emirates, um, people used to call Highbury the library, but it was a very close ground, you know, still yeah, 40 yeah. odd thousand, 45,000 capacity with very cl- close to the pitch and you know, the fans almost on top of the players. And I think that, you know, certainly Millwall, Millwall are uh, an example of a team that have moved yeah. out of that type of very close, tight ground to a, yep. a nicer new stadium. West Ham are having it now. You know, they, yep. they hate that London stadium. I mean, yep. it, it should, they should never have moved to it. They should really never have done it. Um, yep. and that, that's the fear would, I have for Palace. If given a, a free stadium and, and everything mm. else, then it, it doesn't, you know, what are they actually paying for? But that's another another kind of podcast. Say, that's, that's, that's another, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were... Going on from, from that kind of thing, tight to the ground... I remember going Portsmouth away, Matt, and and that for real old mm. ground. I mean, this we went before in the old stand where it before it's been redeveloped, and you know you're tight into back gardens going through, and it was a great atmosphere for a real tight kind of you know, crappy yeah. old ground, really. Yeah. You know, in in the kind of way of of, of Sellers Park, but it was it, you know you didn't want to go, and um, yeah. we got absolutely drubbed. But it was, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was great atmosphere, and um, yeah, so there's a lot to be said about the old grounds. Was the guy ringing his bell all, all the way through the game? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like a cowbell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least you know they're, they're coming. That's right. I was looking for the tattooed man, you know, <laughs> with no top. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we, that question was about um, favourite player. I mean, just uh, yeah, that's good. So. It's, it's 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 all about discussion. You know, football is uh, such a general subject. Um, I, I'm going to ask you another question here, guys. Um, and and you know, whoever wants to answer, um, please feel free. Um, but if you could buy one player for Crystal Palace, regardless of the cost, so to, to forget about the cost of the transfer and the and the wages, any one player in world football currently playing. To improve oh, that team, who would it be? For me, I would say I'd go for the poor man's Michael Hughes, um, David Silver. Um, David Silver, Manchester City. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, wonderful I, player. Again, I know he's getting on in in years now, but again, just you know, tenacious. Um, you know, footballing brains is just never gives a ball away. He is just absolute kind of Rolls Royce of a player, and that that for me, I would love him at Palace. I would absolutely love him. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Manchester City have spent a lot of money over, certainly in the last 10 years, um, 12 years maybe, going back to, I think Robinho was the real first big one. But um, David Silver has been an absolute, as you said, Dan, a Rolls Royce of a player. He, he's yeah. the one player um, for the last 10 years that I would say could walk into any top team. You know, the Barcelona team of, you know, when they won the treble, the you know, the European Cup and everything else, you know, that is absolute joy to watch. Um, you know, the, the way you can pick a pass, you know, some of these first touches is just absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah. you, you see him in the sort of, you know, tightest position, you know, looks like he can't go anywhere and he's, he's you know, he's not even dribbled past him. He's found the pass or, as I say, he, he never gives the ball away. Never. Uh, you know, I just think he's such... I think he's now getting the credit to, for for a guy like him to not have won Player of the Season. I think is just it's a travesty. But um, yeah, it, he is for me, you know, absolutely uh, incredible player. Whose but, place would he take? Well, this is the problem, isn't it? You know, because he, yeah. he's not going to Jimmy MacArthur. He's not, <laughs> no, he's not just going to walk in. <laughs> well, um, I'd have him at the top of a diamond personally, but. Yeah. Um, but if, uh, yes. Danny, uh, my, my, my player is in the same position as well. So it's obviously that's the position we need. And so if you'd asked that question like three or four months ago, I thought we were desperate for a target man like a Les Ferdinand or a Duncan Ferguson sort of player. I thought we were desperate for that. But um, fortunately, Ben Teke's finally finding a little bit of form. And I, I was going to say, there. you know, Ben Teke, yeah. you, got, you got him up there. The uh, yeah. the London Lukaku. Um, um but I think I think with with Roy's style of play, I think Danny's 100% right. We're missing that sort of link-up player, the player that can find the gaps, utilise Zaha, utilise Townsend, utilise utilise Ayu. For me, and obviously there's there's obviously Messi and Ronaldo and these players that are the best in the world, aren't they? But for me, I think I know he's he does get plaudits, but not as many as I believe. But Sadio Mane for Liverpool, I think he is exceptional footballer. He yeah. would, he would be the player that we'd need at the moment. I just think he's so good. I think he's got really crap hair, so I think that's probably why he doesn't get the plaudits. And um, uh, 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 there's certainly a touch of the Jovino, um yes. of him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, a lovely parting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I but mean, I, I think I... honestly, I think he's he's exceptional. He's a brilliant footballer. Um, but. And, and you watch him play. I mean, he destroys when he was Southampton. He destroys us every time we play him. Liverpool, he destroys us. I just think, I just think he'd be perfect. We never really replaced Punchin, Um and he's like a yeah. twenty times better player than Punchin, and he'd just be. But perfect on that, on the old Liverpool Nivea advert, he's got so much forehead and stuff. Why wasn't he? <laughs> like, <laughs> he should have been the perfect person. He was perfect, <laughs> perfect for the the moisturising. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, Matt. Matt, he's a he is a wonderful player. I mean, you know, the the season that Liverpool have had, um, and to say that he's been their best player. I mean, that is my opinion. Um, he's yeah. been their best player. Um, 
the most important player at times. You know, he's carried the mantle when others have been off form. Um, yeah. yeah, fantastic, really. You know, and to bring him into a side like Palace, yeah, you could almost give him the ball and, and let him go. Would you, would you stick him on, on the left-hand side? And I'd have him just, on the right? I'd, no, I'd have him just behind the front three. But that's what okay. I'd have him. Okay, um, interesting. Just, yeah, just picking it up and, and laying off to Zaha or Townsend and IU. So, you know, I think he'd just be perfect. Cut holding midfielders behind him. Let him just, let him go wherever he wants. Um, yeah. On that note, and you talk about Nibia, just making me think of Liverpool. It's like, <laughs> I'd really love to say this, but um, if we historically, if you can have a player, and I know it's an obvious one, but, but Steven Gerrard, I think, you could literally play in any position on the pitch, bar goalkeeper, and he'd be the best player on the pitch in every mm. position when he left. Yeah. left back, right wing, centre midfield. So uh, that's the only nice thing you're ever going to hear me say about Liverpool. But that's two in one. Uh, yeah, yeah. But see, I, I, going back then, I, 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 I Gerard was fantastic, and you know, but there's certain players that I love that are so adaptable, as you said. So like going back even further, like Steve Nichol. But that man could play wow. left, right. <laughs> You're you know, going back or, your way or there. Or, or someone I'm similar. Go, go Dennis, that Dennis Irwin. <laughs> no, Dennis Irwin, you didn't know whether he was left-footed, right-footed. You know, he took penalties. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I, I, you know, like Dennis Irwin, loved him, brilliant of his time. I don't know that sort of player, whether they'd compete in, with today's athletes, if you know what I mean, whereas I think Gerard was... No. No, I mean, I mean you, could, you could say that James Milner is a, a touch of that. I mean, he's a fantastic athlete, first and foremost. Uh, bearing in mind that he broke through at 16, the same as Wayne Rooney did. So he's really looked after himself to still be playing at that level now. But he is so yeah. adaptable. I mean, you could literally, you know, he's been playing left back and you wouldn't think that he wasn't the first choice left back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really yeah. adaptable player. But he's, maybe it's the... I don't want to sound sort of uh, uh, against foreign players, but would you find a foreign player that would do that? You know, be willing to sacrifice his own, you know, uh, game for the team. You know, there has been that over the years. I know we had Flamini play left back for us for a little while, but you know, Milner has done it for Manchester City, for Villa, for Newcastle. Is that Crystal Palace's uh, Flamini. He was yeah. at Pal yeah, he was at Crystal Palace. Billionaire, isn't he a uh, some sort of yeah, chemical was, billionaire yeah, now. Yeah, Crystal Palace is Matthew Flamini. Yeah. Yeah. Did he play for us? Yeah, in between, uh, twice, twice, two spells at uh, Arsenal, in between a spell at AC Milan, where he uh, he, he lost to Tottenham in the Champions League. <laughs> but we, we don't talk about Tottenham. <laughs> not, not at the moment. Not until we've got some Tottenham boys on, on the podcast yeah. and I'll happily converse with them uh, about yeah, I look forward to that one. topics. Um, so that, that's very interesting. That, you know, it's, it's interesting that you, the two guys that you said there, um, I mean, both fantastic players. Um, I, I, I was thinking more along the Ronaldo lines, simply because you could, he improves every team he goes to and he scores so many goals. You know, you could literally give him the ball. Um, you know, the Messi argument, would he improve any team that he goes to? I mean, he's a fantastic player, but you must have those players around him, um, yeah. you know, even looking at the, you know, the, the types of player like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who was on loan at Palace a couple of yeah. years ago, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I think that if he had avoided injury, he would be one of the, the 
premier midfielders yeah. in the country at the I think moment. you're right. I think you're right there. Yeah. He was, I mean, he, we, he was we, a Rolls Royce I mean, touching on that, I mean, yeah. I, I was just going to say, Bill. touching on that, I mean, we, Palace, have had some fantastic loan players over the years. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, you'd agree with me, Matt, but like, when, when you think of what we, we had, Ashley um, who was, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Paul Stewart. Uh, oh, you wow. know, yeah, when he was at player. Palace, you know, probably, probably he the was most doing no way. Yeah, probably the most influential yeah. loan I think Paul Stewart was for us. Um, was he yeah. on loan then? I, I thought that you actually bought him because yeah. he. No, no, he was on loan from from Liverpool. From Liverpool, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and his hold up play for and his in, in intelligence again for for Chris Armstrong, you know that it was brilliant. And then we had uh, who else to be have Steve Staunton, um, you know, just little little sprinkles of their class. Um, yeah, and it was well, it was so telling. That's the beauty of, of Palace, because we would give youth a chance. I remember Ashley Cole coming and literally to a man and woman in the stadium, everyone looked at Ashley Cole when he, after 10 minutes of playing, was like, he's going to be the England left back. He was so good. The best player on the pitch, and he was only a kid. He was brilliant. Oh, I mean, there, was, there was a um, spell where he was the best left back in the world. I mean, you know, better than Roberto Carlos, you know, you know, you've got the Maldinis in there as well, but he was for me for a period of three or four years, the best, best left back in the world. Yeah, um, you know, he, only, only player I've ever seen sort of have Ronaldo when he was a winger um, in his black back pocket. Really, really good player. Yeah. Actually, well, but you know, when you think of, we had him from Arsenal and then the flip side, we ended up, what was his name? Yaya Sanogo. Yago Sanogo. No, he couldn't. He couldn't. He was our, our one signing uh, in a one summer transfer window about six years ago. Oh, this, this young French kid, Fingers, found another, you know, uh, like, I think they compared him with Adebayor, you know, the gangly, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the great touch. He was, him. Yeah. He was, yeah, he looks like Adebayor. Oh, he was an absolute cart horse. Yeah, but um, but you know when you said about sort of uh, Matt sort of like inspirational, but Kevin Phillips has got to be up there for that though, wouldn't he? Would wasn't he on loan? Ah no, we, well maybe stop. No, he was free, wasn't he? Freebie, yeah, yeah. He just followed. Loan. He just followed um, all the way around, didn't he? Him and Bobby. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, the half coming back on loan. That's probably you know getting promotion. It was. Yeah, forget about that. You're right. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about Wilfred Zaha. So, you know, from again, from an outside point of view, a fan's favourite, you know, he's one of our own, grew up uh, White Horse State, around the corner from the ground, um, local boy, made good. Is the hype, does he get a lot of grace because of that? Because, um, I mean, there's been some performances where he's he has carried the team. There's been some performances yeah. where he's won you the game, maybe not by scoring the goal, but certainly by causing enough havoc and unrest in the opposition defence. Yeah. But does he get a lot of grace for the the, the average and not so I, good my, performances because he's my, a local my, lad? My take on Zaha is he's an absolute wizard with the football. He's a proper playground footballer. Um, we know he hasn't got everything. He can't strike a ball particularly well. He can't cross particularly well. But on the ball and speed and... His feet, he's just unbelievable. So for Palace, he's an absolute diamond. Um, 
he's easy to dislike, isn't he? He's a bit of a pantomime bad. He's throwing his hands in the air, blah, 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 getting all frustrated. He, he goes down maybe a little bit too easy, but he does take a lot of punishment. So all these things add to it. Yeah, he is a local boy. He's a good boy as well. He's a very charitable boy. He does a lot for the community. So I've got personally, I, I love him being a Palace lad and that. I think, I think he's become a victim of his own hype slightly this season. Obviously, there was the looking to leave at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if, it, if someone like Arsenal or someone like that come in, you wouldn't begrudge him that, a big club, and he would, he would do well there. But then Everton came in, and they're, all right, they're bigger than us historically, but performance-wise at the moment, they're the same as us. And that made it all a bit sulky and a bit annoying. But he's tried to, like, the bit about his game for me that made him so dangerous was he's just his pace, head down, take on players, win the free kicks, win... When VAR first came in, the reason we didn't sell him was like because he's going to win us 30 penalties a year. Um, but all of a sudden, he's taken that bit of the game out of him and he thinks he's Eden Hazard. He, he tries to stop all the time, stop, and then try to take the man on and blah, 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 like Hazard yeah. does. But he's, the best bit of his game was literally get the ball and just keep it moving and take on players mm-hmm. and just yeah. it's trickery to beat a man. And he's just, he's breakaways. And, and that's where he's he's got this slight bit of, and I know all professional sportsmen need it, a bit of arrogance, but he's he's taken that and changed his game for the for the worse, personally. Yeah, but I, I, I agree. that's my I, personal opinion. My, my opinion, if you'd have said to me, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I'd have said he had the potential to be world-class. Yeah, and yeah I thought he was even out there, Yeah, and I, I honestly think if he'd have changed his game and then added a dimension, and I mean, loathe to say it, of someone, say, like, Say like David Beckham, where he would then, instead of beat a man when he needs to, but also then put the ball out of his feet and whip across him. And I'm sure he potentially would have gone on from there yeah. because the amount of assists would have gone up. And yeah. then it goes, breeds confidence and blah, 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 blah. He was, he was on the cusp. And when he, I think he was really unlucky when he got the move that yeah. Ferguson retired. Ferguson and... Yeah. You know, it, it was just a perfect storm where it was just not going to work for him. And I was going to say, uh, I was going to say that for him because it, it should, it, he should be, he should be lighting up the the, the Champions League as I, as Lover, I you know, I don't want to lose him, but he should be. Um, yeah. he, he should be, should be in the England squad. Yeah, he's yeah. a bigger, he's a bigger player. Than, he's a bigger player than Palace. He's he, honestly, yeah. guys, he he's an absolute. Master of what he does, but he needs to just direct his game at that and not try to change yeah, it. Yeah, it's just a simple thing, and 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 I think you know, I think Benteke's been a victim of of him stopping and not not yeah, not yeah. not, not putting in that delivery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... Sorry, mate. No, no, no. I was going to say. I mean, I, I agree with you entirely. Uh, you know, the timing of the move to Manchester United. I mean, it's very difficult for players to say no to Manchester United. It's very difficult to cl- for clubs to say no to that sort of money at the time. Yeah. It was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I just feel that, you know, with Fergie guiding him and protecting him, as he's done with, you know, previous players, yeah. he would have, I think he would have been that world-class player. You know, he, he yeah, is right. still a class player. Um, is he bigger than Palace? You know, you say that, Matt, I I don't think he is at the moment. I think he's happy. No. You know, the, the the Arsenal talk, I mean, I, I genuinely thought that Arsenal were going to get him in the summer. Um, but then with Everton coming in and then Nicolas Pepe coming, um, you know, I think that that's dead in the water now. That was the one I, I, chance for him to go to Arsenal. 
I, I think it's I think it's Chelsea personally, but if he, if he was going to go anywhere, but yeah, um, I think you're right. Or training ground or, nearby. He's a very local boy, and he yeah. just yeah, you know, he's got he's, he's got kid round this way, and he so he's you know, I suppose it, it is tricky, and I, and I I don't think anyone's bigger than the club, but he is in the the amount of goals and or, or certainly you know last season or the amount of stuff that comes through him, you know, on the on the pitch. He is, you know, he's, he's head and shoulders. You know, he makes us tick. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it, and I think I think another thing is we've we've really missed Townsend this season as well. I, I know going off tangent, but it, we have when when teams were concentrating on Zaha, there was space for Townsend, and and yeah. you know he was doing magic things. So yeah. after a slow start, so yeah, it, as I say, we, there's always someone else around the corner. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, excellent. Um, I'm going to ask you guys now about uh, the rivalries that Palace have. Now, uh, there's been a little bit of mockery, maybe, over the last couple of years about the M23 derby. Um, So Brighton being uh, Palace's more, uh, should we say, hated rivals. I mean, there's always been local rivalries. Brighton's 40 miles away, so it's, it's it's not as if it's just around the corner when you've got Charlton... Millwall and you know Wimbledon you used to be only out the road um yeah so it's, wh- what do you guys feel about that the the rivalry of Brighton because it's quite uh intense the the, the police oh, yeah, is, picked yeah. up yeah, a lot of is. weapons and I think in the first uh game down down in Brighton between you guys in the Premier League um you know they stopped people and pulled a lot of weapons out of uh, people's pockets so there is a an element oh, yeah, of hatred real, there there's real beef, guys. I say it's it's like the history is quite, I don't know, it's quite renowned now. So like it started with lots of different reasons, but Malcolm Allison, Terry Venables, all the history with that. Um, obviously, Croydon boys and Brighton boys, we're the first stop on their way to London. Croydon always go down to Brighton, don't we? So it's just it's built its way up. We changed our name to Eagles. They changed their name to Seagulls. It was just all so it's built up. But I'm but even on a like on a personal point of view. Um, forget that history, but even as a as kid, not even really knowing why we had rivalry, we just knew we hated Brighton. But just seeing grown men with real, real hate and disdain in their eyes, literally wanting to kill a f- and football fan from another club, and like real venom in their eyes. It was like, oh, that was it. We just hated them, and they hated us. Mm. Even now, when I'm queuing up, and their chavy fans with their baseball caps balanced on their heads, walking past us, and just giving us abuse to to women and kids, and that queuing up, and it like. Oh, it just drives me insane. But like, yeah. but if if I'm honest, as long as you don't repeat this to anyone, it's controversial. But I don't really hate Brighton. They're they're a club the same as us, and I don't don't repeat this. Um, so you you've hit the nail. What I was going to say. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Really, I, I love. I love the rivalry. I love that we can hate them. I love. I love that they hate us. As long as we beat them. As long as they don't get delusions of grandeur. As long as they don't ever finish above us. I'm quite happy for them to 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 be in the same league as us. And I want them to struggle and I want them to feel pain losing cup finals and stuff. No, actually, I don't want them to get to cup finals. Losing to quarter finals and stuff like that. But they're a real club. They they had their own struggles playing at crappy sports grounds and stuff like that. Um, and I know Palace fans and their fans do a lot of work for charity together and stuff. And I say they're a real football club, but just don't tell them. I don't really hate them, but I loved. I love to have them there to hate. Uh, I'll be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I, I don't think any of their fans will hear you say that. 
but it's very true. You know, where you know they've had, they've nearly gone, you know, out of business. They've moved grounds. You know, what was it? Two, three different grounds. It, it's a, it's a real difficult one. I, I mean, from where you look at the, yeah, the distance. But it, I suppose the distance is only, you know, Norwich and Ipswich. That rivalry's, you know, forty miles yeah. between them two. So you know, I don't think it's it's mass. You know, it, from from the outside looking in, it looks a little bit of a of a weird one. But yeah, there's history there. Um, but yeah, I suppose for me, sort of rivalry for for me is still Millwall. I, 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 uh, um, yeah, as a as a kind of local thing, I don't really. I don't, it feels a more I, natural. I yeah, yeah, I. I uh, I totally agree with everything, everything that um, Matty said on on Brighton, and you know having them there. I don't, I, I don't really dislike them, but obviously when we're playing them, yeah, of course I do. But um, Charlton, I don't even mind Charlton to be fair. They've <laughs> had their struggles, and you know I, it doesn't. It's not even on my radar. But nah, yeah, I think I'd say probably. Say again. Yeah, Charlton are just insignificant. I love that they want us to be their rivals and we don't They do. Yeah. It seems very one-way rivalry, yeah. you know. Oh, okay, all right. We'll, we'll give you a bit of stick back, but you know, we don't really mind you that much. But, but um, it's interesting. Again, yeah, but again, you know, like, uh, as much as, you know, Millwall would do a bit for their community and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just... Uh, maybe I'll, I'm, I'm getting yeah. mellow in my old age, but I just... Yeah. Um, I think you are. No, I, think, I, think, I think you... You've mellowed, I've mellowed, but I think the club's mellowed as well. Millwall had a really yeah. bad reputation, rightly so. And the club, to be fair, they've done a lot of work to try and curb that controversial uh, side of their club and their fan base and stuff. I must say, even as a even as a kid, it was the one game season my mum and dad wouldn't let us go to the game because it was that bad then. Um, we weren't allowed to go. So me and my brother used to wait till after kickoff had gone, boot up on our mountain bikes and go through the gate to get in. Because we just weren't allowed to go because it was real trouble. They 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 were horrible, horrible fans. They used to really just cause trouble and that no one likes us, we don't care, it was real then, do you know what I mean? They but but the club to be fair, they've done a lot of work, haven't they, to to yeah. turn themselves into a community club. So but I d I don't like them, but yeah, hate would too be too strong a word. So we're down to uh, the last topic uh, for this episode and uh, a bit of a a wild card here. But as Palace fans, do you feel a sense of pride when you see a former Palace player doing well? Um, people such as Ian Wright, current England manager Gareth Southgate, former Wales international manager Chris Coleman. Um, and I want you to take it not as in Palace are used as a stepping stone, but it seems that you know Palace as a club and as a team contribute quite strongly to people who have strong careers. Um, sure. You know, surely, you know, when, when Gareth Southgate broke into the team and was the youngest Premier League captain, you know, there was obviously potential there as a player. But when you see him leading England to a World Cup semi-final, to, you know, the qualification quite comfortably for um, the, the Euros that unfortunately have been postponed this year, how, how does that make you feel from the Palace link there? Um, I, I I love Southgate. I know it's a bit of a soppy one. I know, I, I think Danny's got similar opinions to me. We've both yeah. read 
a fantastic book he, he'd written with um, Andy, Andy Woodman, Woodman. the next Palace Youth Keeper. I think he must have got some first team caps. But um, yeah, called Woody, Woody and Nord, Woody, wasn't it? Woody and Nord. Honestly, even if you're not a Palace fan or not even a football fan, it is a fantastic, fantastic yeah. book. Woody and Nord, read it. It is brilliant. But anyway, so you think of Gareth Southgate, um, obviously Palace catchment area, South London, quite raw, rough and ready, quite urban. He, I think he was born in Crawley or Hawley, somewhere like that. I think he was down that way, wasn't it? East Queensland, yeah. Crawley, yeah. So it shows, so un, however like understated he is and calm and stuff, you know he's a real fighter. He's had to survive within a, imagine growing up in a changing room that would have been probably rough and tough when he broke through. And then as a young posh boy, I feel like that with you guys, personally. Um, a young yeah. posh boy. <laughs> no, but like, um, but like, so it shows that he is a fighter, but doesn't quite, what's the word, doesn't really show it particularly outwardly, but he must have been to do that. Um, as a footballer, fantastic, what a brilliant. He played midfield for us um, yeah. as a defender, one of the best in the world at the time. And then, yeah, for England now, I say with England, it's a, it's a perfect storm because expectation levels have dropped. People have lost love of the international team, um, permanent underachievers. And then at the same time, sort of a bit of a token appointment, wasn't he? He was part of the youth setup or whatever. And a bit of a token appointment. And no but it was the easy appointment, wasn't it? It was, all, you know, he'd done the under-21. Yeah. It was just uninspiring easy, kind yeah, of appointment. Right. It was Exactly that, Dan, an easy appointment. Um, a bit of a token. Well, well, let me just throw this, let me just throw this at you because um, when you, when you take it all into consideration, the last three England managers have been Palace men. So you've got yep. Southgate now, Sam Allardyce, although only for yeah. one game, and then before that, Roy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know they've all wow. been Palace men. Yeah. You know, and uh, really, I only just made the link in my head now, which is uh, crazy because we're talking about Palace all. But um, oh, Terry Venables is. Uh... Yeah, yeah. There's been a heavy influence on England managers, certainly over the last 25 years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, that was just <laughs> I interrupted yeah, you there. Uh, um, so where was I? What's talking about? Oh right, so with with yeah, with Southgate being a sort of a token, easy appointment, but also the expectation levels gone. But but don't know, something about it, all perfect storm, and then it became like the last tournament. There's a bit of a buzz again about it, and yeah. him wearing waistcoats and all that sort of buzz about it. But you never, you never, what I like about him, you never saw him get ahead of himself. He's no. always very humble. Um, yeah, just a very, very likable bloke, isn't he? But he was um, always like that as a player as well, yeah. wasn't he? You know, and but then you go that to the other side, like say someone like Pardew. Mm. You know, that it's oh. strange. Like watching Pardew play for Palace, he never put in as much passion or or attitude or you know aggression playing for Palace and what he did you know, on the sidelines. It's like. Uh, you know, there's that's one player you kind of think pride with him. Like, yeah, just sure. we were, he, was, he was an awful footballer. Whereas Southgate yeah. was brilliant. He was, yeah. yeah, Southgate was a good, good player. Um, on, on the 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 topic of Pardew, I mean, um, obviously, you know, he was. Uh, I think that the the love as a player came from scoring the goal against Liverpool. You yeah, know, that, that's what he was known for. Yeah, it was always ironic, though, to love this player, because he was maligned by Palace fans. He was yeah. a pony. 
really crap. I think we signed mm. from Yeovil or something. But he was an awful yeah. footballer. But um, yeah. Koppel was quite... Koppel being a brilliant football man, stuck by him for some reason. There must be something he saw in him. But awful. So it was always it was always a bit ironic, the love for him. Like Super Al was the song. Yeah. But, but terrible, terrible player. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but now you know, if he was a lollipop, he'd lick himself, wouldn't he? But it's like he, 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 so arrogant, it's unbelievable. No, but it's like, but then say like, say, say, Wrighty, for instance. I I loved Wrighty at Palace, and then the whole thing about sort of you know with him, um, like kissing the shirt, it soured it. But I still kind of love him, and I'm yeah. proud of him, like being on you know for what he's achieved and everything else. But yeah, it's not quite the same for me, like with because of that. Um, yeah, he's tainted. You're right. It's yeah. funny. He, he in his book. He just wants to win. He's a winner. That's that's one. You know, and he he, he had to fight to actually be become a pro footballer. Mm. Um, you know, made the grade late. So you know, I can I can see why. It just, but yeah, yeah. just if you're right, Soured it is the perfect term. I say I, I like him, and, and I find him a really interesting character. I love. I do like watching on telly. Um, and no, I personally didn't begrudge him the move to Arsenal. It no. was it was like... Well deserved. Yeah, he'd done his time with us. He should have been an England international. Regular, regular, regular. He was a um, brilliant. One of the best, honestly, one of the best. Definitely in the top five players for Palace. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, but yeah, it just soured it. But, but I've, I think you were going to mention his book there, guy. I don't know if it's from his book, but I know I've seen it in press clippings and stuff that it's like his biggest regret in football was doing that yeah there's no, no real reason to it but as you say these these are professional sportsmen aren't they, they fight their yeah. way through it adrenaline's running but, through them it's a mistake but was, when he did it he was also fighting for that love from from the arsenal fans so you know i, I kind of it's a different it, it i don't think it had the same thing as what it does yeah now and you know it, it was it, it was quite to us it was quite a new thing though. wasn't it someone kissing the badge like in in front of you i, I you know but i mean I, I, you know i'm not i don't want to defend him right for anything that you know obviously he's a grown guy but i think in his book he he, he said that, you know he did regret doing that and as you said he was he was fairly new to the uh, arsenal dressing room bearing in mind arsenal would season before had won the league um you know he he'd he, he didn't feel as if he had, he was at that same level as everyone. So every goal that he scored, yeah. he was, you know, celebrating as if he was, you know, a Sunday league player still. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I could understand why it would have soured, uh, certainly, the, you know, his legacy a tiny bit. I also remember being at a game at Sellers Park, uh, the season that Arsenal won the double, first double under Arsene Wenger. So that Bergkamp was on fire, Right, he was just about to break the record, and we came to Sellers Park. And Herman Hrydeson man marked Dennis Bergkamp all game. Didn't give him a kick. He was it was really good defensive play, and yeah. it was a nil-nil at the end of the game. Ian Wright swapped shirts with Lombardo and went over to the Homesdale, and the the reception that he got. I mean, there was a lot of talk of him. We we knew he was going to leave Arsenal at the end of that season. He did, of course, go on to West Ham, but there was a lot of talk of. And I think that if Palace had stayed up that season, he would have gone back to Palace. Uh, and, and yeah, there was a lot of talk about yeah. it. Um, you know, I think he would have loved to have done it. I think the club would have loved to have done it. Um, but yeah. it just didn't work Yeah, it would out have been the, the right was. story, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm sure you would have welcomed him back here with open arms. I don't think he would have oh, done yeah, too much yeah. for you, but... 
yeah. But, but yeah, no, so... definitely going back, you know, definitely, you know, the whole Southgate. Coleman, you know, he was a great player for Palace, and and for what he's gone on and and achieved, yeah, it was it was it was great. But then, as we touched on him earlier, like the the career someone like Alan Irvine's had after Palace. Like mm. as an assistant manager, he's been he's been everywhere and been a been a really kind of well well received kind of um, or well respected assistant yeah. manager. Like, it's, yeah. So a cliche term, but a football man. I, I remember as a my first games as a kid, Alan Irvine was a winger for us. We used to just see him dribbling. I'd never seen a player be able to take men on. I mean, constantly, yeah. constantly, um, and put a perfect cross in. And as you say, Alan Irvine's coming. We talk about Chris Coleman just then. I, do you know I'm completely closed from him. He just I I, I just find him impossible to like. And there was that we yeah, ex Palace and like we played Cardiff in a final or semi. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he was all over all over Cardiff because he he was just looking for the appointment of the Wales job, I think, at the time. And yeah, was, but he's got he can't over. be anti Wales, can he? Because no, uh, he didn't have to be. He didn't have to be no, anti Palace either. And it was yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just, yeah. There was no mention of it, and it, I just I know I know that it's a job for them. I don't expect them to love the club like fans do, but it was just it was like real venom against us. And like mm-hmm. uh, when when there was talk of us being his in becoming a Palace manager, I was like, oh no, please don't. Um, I'm not to replace Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> to replace Pardew. I mean, uh, Coleman never struck me as being a particularly good manager. I mean, he. Uh, I mean. I think he's proved that, you know, he was he was fortunate that the Wales setup at the time was so well yeah. organised and they had a great crop of players coming through, uh, yeah. much to um, Gary Speed's credit. But, um, you know, and they were on the crest of a wave when he got them to the semi-finals of the Euros. But then after that, the Sunderland, Coventry, you know, he he's not a great manager. He was, again, no, at Fulham, he, you know, he took he? Fulham down. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not. A, I, don't, I just don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. No, um, no. But uh, from from a playing perspective, when you see players, you know, you, you've had some um, wonderful players that have then gone on and had even better careers. So, so rightly we touched on Mark Bright. Obviously, you know, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, bit of a funny move for me at yeah. the time, but you know, they're they they are a big club. Yeah, and Nigel, they were a Nigel Martin. Side at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah they were. They were. Yeah, I was going to say Nigel Martin. You know, he, yeah. oh. he was an England squad member maybe at the time. Yeah. yeah. Pro- probably should have got more England caps even, you know, late in his career. But, you know, went I on to have a... Seaman was in his way, wasn't it? That was, that was, if, if Seaman, if if he was born 10 years later, he'd have been England number one. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, just fortunate as England fans that we had yeah. two yeah. Members, yeah. But it's interesting you say that, Gaz, as not being a Palace fan. But yeah, Nigel Martin's a great example. You know, he has... You know, proud, he was you know loved by Leeds, and even when he went to Everton, I don't know, he was what thirty six, I'm guessing, yeah. late in his career, and they loved him, and he was fan, like player of the year, I think he got. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's brilliant. funny, isn't it? How some players can leave with respect, and you still like them. I say Martin, I couldn't, I wouldn't say a bad word about him ever. I can't even no. remember how he left and what sort of circumstances. I we think got relegated, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. yeah. There's no. Disdain for him for it. No, 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 I think you know it's it's one of these things. You you, you spoke about Andy Johnson earlier, um, mm. you know, and and the fact that he scored a lot of goals in the Premier League, 
and you kept hold of him for another season while he was in the championship, hoping that his goals would get you back to the Premier League. Unfortunately, it didn't, so you let him move on. Uh, I think he moved to, he had a big move to Everton, I think it was. Uh, A lot of money at the time. Was it? So so at the time, a lot of money, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, players like that, my opinion is you don't really begrudge them. They've tried their hardest, it hasn't worked out. And, and they move on. But then the, there's the types that leave while you still need them. You know, again, yeah. you touched on Zaha, that loan move back to help you get promoted. Fantastic. Didn't work yeah. out for him at Man United. He came back. You no. Know, loved. But there, there are players, I'm sure, uh, throughout the last sort of 20 years that have left Palace almost in in the Brown stuff because they've looked at their own career over the good of the... Yeah, sometimes it is is a short career and, and, you know, I think a lot of their players are either badly advised or they're they're young men and and you don't always kind of make the right decision until you're a bit older and a bit wiser. But, uh, I mean, one of the players, just going back, is Matt Janssen. Like, he was unbelievable at Palace. He was brilliant. Only there a short period of time. And it was so tragic what happened to him, yeah. you know, and how his career didn't move on. And like that was one of the ones where you kind of, I was, I was gutted for him because he was, he yeah, was he, so he, he, Personally, I would have thought he was going to be an England player. He was a brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, he was on standby for the World Cup in Japan. So yeah. if, if England, because I think we had quite a few players drop out through injury. I mean, Steven Gerrard was one of them. Um, Beckham was obviously touch and go with his broken toe. Uh, Danny Murphy, uh, you know, the, the list was was quite long. And I think Ericsson said that Matt Janssen was on his next sort of uh, next yeah, on the I, list for call-ups, yeah. Honestly, um, Gab, he, he was brilliant. Reportedly, I don't know if this is fact or not, but I take it as it is, being the sort of player as he was. But when we went into administration, there was a few ex-players that put money into the club to help save money. I should believe was one, but I know Janssen is reportedly one as well. That, so it showed yeah. that sort of real club. And I know Footballers get a lot of grief, don't they? When you've got you've got bit part players on hundred grand plus a week, then rightly so they should get a little bit of grief. But some of these players won't have been on huge money at the time. It would have mm. been the three or four grand. And I know that's big money compared to me and Dan, not you, Gaz. But um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, it's, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money a week. And um, it's, again, it's, it's, you mentioned Neil Shipley. You know, guy scored a, a a playoff winning goal for you at Wembley. And, uh, yep. you know, he's driving a taxi now. So even, I mean, how long ago was that? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, he was, uh, he, he well, would have been a good owner know. then. Yeah. I mean, we won't talk about uh, recent Mr. Mr. Minas, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, he's driving a taxi at times. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, um Guys, listen, I, I, I've been keeping you uh, for quite a while today and I, I really appreciate your input. Um, I, I hope we get the opportunity to do this again um, on yep. different topics. Um, I've, I've enjoyed speaking with you, your opinions. Uh, I admire your love for Palace. Um, I genuinely hope that the season gets to finish and Palace yep. do record their highest Premier League finish. Um, I'm all for London clubs. Um, I think the more London clubs, the better. Um, you know, the, the rivalries are, are always good fun, uh, certainly on match days. 
Um, but guys, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Anytime, man. So that was episode one of the London Football Fans podcast, uh, topic being Crystal Palace. I hope that you've enjoyed that. Um, we're going to try and do this again, hopefully in the next week or two, uh, where hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk about other subjects uh, around London Football Clubs. Thank you for listening.